into the contest. It's Wednesday the 9th of March. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. Shane Lee, how are you, my friend? It's uh, very wet, Timmy, but this wet weather in, in the world of racing throws up a few upsets. It sure does. It just made me remember this morning uh, being at the track on Saturday. So here you've got Nature Strip, who won the Everest last year, best sprinter in the country, Eduardo came third in the Everest. So you're talking about two of the best sprinters in the country, if not the world. They were in this race and there was a horse in the race, a country horse that had won a country race the week before a highway called Shelby 66 and it nearly won. It beat Nature Strip home and it flew home and almost got Eduardo on the line by a nasal hair. It was extraordinary. Um, connections walk away with $100,000, but it's one of those fairy tales. It was a very heavy track, heavy 10. It probably would never happen again on a decent sort of surface, but uh, there's the kinds of rags to riches stories that can happen, Shana. No rags to riches in Raul Pindi. It was pretty boring the way it all ended. Australia and Pakistan, a draw, a win for our women in the World Cup over Pakistan. And what about the ATP and tennis? Are they just too soft? John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. So in the World Cup, uh, Australia, the women's team, continue to march along. Uh, the I don't think they've ever been beaten by Pakistan or not for a long, long time. No, they haven't. And uh, look, they've reaffirmed themselves as favourites for this World Cup, Timmy. Um, Pakistan scoring six for 190 and the Aussies just cruising to victory, three down for 193. Um, it was Elisa Healy with 72. The best of our bowlers was King. Um, she took two for 24 off nine overs, but the Aussies once again looking really, really dominant. Look, the test match, uh, I think a lot of people watching this at the start thought, oh, here we go. Pakistan are going to flog Australia. They won the toss and they batted and then everyone just batted and padded and padded mm. and padded. It's the kind of test wicket that you don't really want because um, it will have TV screens switching off all around the world. Yeah, described as one of the most benign test matches in history. Uh, we know Pakistan scored four for 476. Um, they ended up with none for 252 in a second inning. So Australia only took four wickets for 728 runs. Um, that is the most runs ever conceded by an Australian team for the least number of wickets. So uh, not a great performance in the field from the guys. Saying that, we batted well. We, we, we've um, batted out a draw here. But we'll need to change our approach uh, to the next test match. In will come Mitchell Swepson, the leg spinner, um, which I think will add a lot more <laughs> a lot more pressure on him because they'll play – the wicket will be flat again and there'll be a lot of pressure on the new leg spinner. So it's going to be a really, really tough initiation for him in test cricket. Yeah, and it makes you wonder why they haven't tried him out um, in a, uh, a test mm. match in the past. Like they had the opportunity in Sydney uh, in the Ashes uh, where the series was pretty much – done and dusted to give the guy a run and, and it wouldn't have been a bad choice just to get him out there and playing some test cricket because he he's very, very good, but he's just green. 
years, mate. And um, just reading over some of the stuff about Shane Warne um, in, in recent days, now he, he only had one for 352 in Test cricket um, before it really clicked for him. Um, so it's a lot to ask of, of a young Mitchell Swepson to come in on probably one of the flat, the flattest wickets in the in the world, and all of a sudden uh, weave his magic. So it's going to be really, really tough, I think, when he actually gets his uh, baggy green. Yeah, and it's probably going to happen in Karachi or Lahore, and let's hope that they don't yep. dish up a wicket like they did in Rawalpindi because uh, we just we need to see the bowlers in the game, otherwise it is absolutely boring. Now, Will Pukowski, uh is determined. He's had all these concussions, 11 of them, and he's determined to get back. He's back in the nets. He's back in the nets. Victoria have two Shield games to go and possibly a Shield final. Um, mm. But, yeah, he's determined to come back. And, uh, look, you can only really uh, hope and pray that he does do that. He's only 24 years of age. He's a prodigious talent. Um, but you'd have to think one more knock in the head will take him to 12 concussions and and that could be the dozen that, that puts him out for the rest of his life, I think. What about tennis burnout, Tomic? I think we talk more about his burnouts in Tiranas than his tennis <laughs> game and some of his outlandish comments. But he's, uh, and, and that exit to the Australian Open was pretty limp, wasn't it? But uh, he's, he's made a winning return in Mexico, of all places. He finally has. This is his first win uh, since April last year in Rome. And look, he, he's a former world number 17. He's now ranked 320 in the world. Um, but he beat four seed Cedric Masal Steeb six two six two, and played well. And look, he's now come out, and once again, you can't keep his mouth shut. But he's come out and he says he's going to get back to the top twenty. I'll put my house and home on that. He doesn't get back in the top twenty in tennis, but uh, it's good to see him have a win anyway. Yeah, let's hope he doesn't get in the top twenty just for you, because it's a lovely little spread you've got there. Um, now the <laughs> ATP, look, oh, it's it's. Long been an issue, hasn't it, that they've been a bit of a toothless tiger. Like, a lot of tennis players get away with all kinds of behaviour, language towards umpires and breaking rackets and, and carry on. They, they never seem to be disciplined in any real notable way. Well, um, Alexander Zerev, as we know, was probably given one of the softest penalties. Uh, this is for when he attacked the umpire's um, uh, feet effectively. Um, he smashed his racket against his chair. Uh, it was a really, really aggressive thing that he did, swearing and abusing him. Um, he was suspended from that tournament, but he's only been given a $34,000 fine and handed an eight-week suspended sentence. So effectively, he gets to play on. He, he cops a $34,000 fine, which is nothing for these tennis players. Mm. And it's a very, very, very soft uh, penalty, I, I think, for what he did. Oh, yeah. Look, for, for most mere mortals, it's like sort of uh, charging them, uh, you know, a, yeah. a, a, a spoonful of sugar, like 34000 A guy like Alexander Zverev would take it out of his ashtray. I, I just think they need to be better, mm. don't they? The perception for sport, from sports fans is, come on, you're kidding me, aren't you? Um, you know, it's no example for, for young people watching sport and potentially wanting to play the sport in the future. We have plenty more coming up. We have got all the NRL, the AFL and much, much more. What about this Dragons winger, Madison Bartlett, in the NRLW? Uh, went up on that biting charge. She only copped a week, and uh, it was interesting, her defence um, basically saying, the arm came in my mouth and it was a reflex action. I tend to have that with ribeye, um, but <laughs> she's only copped the one week. Yeah, yeah that uh, can't be that, that bloody bartender poured 15 schooners down my neck yesterday either. Hey, um, 
this, this, this is actually a disgrace. And I think, you know, if you've got a kid in daycare and your kid bites someone, they ban the kid from the daycare centre. These are grown adults. If you bite someone, <laughs> you bite someone on the arm or the neck, or whatever, you, you should you should be banned. This this can't go on. And whether you're a male or a female, it doesn't matter. You should not be biting. Nathan Cleary out for four weeks. That's a massive blow for Penrith, isn't it? That's huge. It is. Uh, I was speaking with Brian Fletcher, the CEO of the Panthers, only last week, and he said they're going to be really um, cautionary with with Cleary. They said they want to get him right. They said he he could probably play at the moment, but he's not one hundred percent fit. Um, he'll make his comeback uh, to take on um, South Sydney April one uh, in a grand final rematch, which I think is around about round four. So they're going to be really really careful bringing him back. They know they're playing the long game here, the Panthers, and they need him towards the back end of the season. Where did you catch up with Brian Fletcher? We get a breaking story here because I know that you're a bustling back rower for Oak Flats in your day. Is there, is there some sort of sort of late opportunity for you to sort of strap up for the Panthers in uh, 2022? <laughs> no, he drinks the Oaks at Neutral Bay. So um, I saw him in there um, every now and then and uh, I always get the mail on what's happening with the Panthers. But look, they're, they're a good football club. They're, they're forward thinking. And um, yeah, they, they really see him, as I think everyone does, as, as a key component component if they're going to go back to back. So no contract for uh, Shane Lee? Uh, <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> i to punch Callum out first. <laughs> well, now what about um, Collingwood defender Braden Maynard? Um, he's failed in the AFL tribunal. It, uh, it's a, it's an awful time to be suspended, isn't it, at the start of the season? It is. Uh, and the, the the failed attempt to, um, to have him cleared of a, a two-match striking ban means that Collingwood also lose $10,000 off their salary cap. So... Um, mm. They don't muck around the AFL, and uh, and they take striking very very seriously, unlike the ATP does, and uh, yeah, so he, he he fails that, so they have to re rejig their whole back line for the for the first match, Collingwood. Yeah, our love and thoughts with everyone who've uh, been affected by this natural disaster, and it's been it's been awful, hasn't it? The floods uh, right up and down the east mm. coast of Australia. Sydney's copped it huge. Uh, hugely as well. Interesting story here. We've seen the surfing icon Kelly Slater. Now he was um, you know, pretty vocal in and around vaccination and other things. He's he's still competing. I think he's about my age. He's early fifties, um, but he's ripped into the Australian Prime Minister Kelly Slater and hasn't missed him. And he said that his um, uh, response to the floods has been grossly inadequate. And and I think I agree with him on this. Uh, there's now 17 people we know have died in Queensland alone. And mm. um, look, there's floods here in Manly as well now, not as bad as up in Queensland, but this is where the government really needs to step up now when people are out of their house and home. Yeah, we've seen some real brave moments, some uh, stories of survival, and one of them involved Winter Olympic champion Stephen Bradbury. Every time someone wins against the odds, they always say, you did a Stephen Bradbury, <laughs> yeah. of course. They all fell over in the uh, speed skating, and he won that gold medal all those years ago. They sure do. Well, he's out surfing with his young son uh, on the weekend, and um, notice four girls get instantly caught up in this rip, um, and he was only one around, so he acted swiftly. Um, saved one of the girls. Then his son alerted the actual, ran up the beach and got some other lifeguards. Luckily enough, mm. one girl required oxygen when they got her back to the beach and the other girl said she would have drowned for sure. So Stephen Bradby, a bit of a, a real-life hero there as well.
Yeah, well done, Stephen Bradbury. Yep. That's, that's outstanding. And there's been a number of those stories through the course of the past few weeks um, showing that real Australian spirit. Now, the UFC, what about the UFC? It's got characters everywhere, whether it's the ownership, whether it's the marketers, whether it's the those that compete. And um, he's seen as a bit of a US UFC villain, isn't he, uh, Colby Covington? He is, mate. And um, it does attract some uh, real gangsters. Not that this guy's a gangster, but uh, Drake, the singer, uh, put on a 375,000 bet against him, and <laughs> Kobe's called him out. So uh, there's no love loss there, but uh, it just goes to show that the passion that these UFC fighters mix with the, um, mix with the uh, not only the music elite, but uh, I suppose uh, famous people all around the world, they're, uh, they're right into it. Now, um, golf is, is a torturous game. I love it. I'm a very moderate B-grader slash C-grader. And putting at times can be my greatest challenge. And I can miss the smallest of putts. So there's no gimmies when I'm playing golf. But it does make you feel a little bit better when you see some of the best in the world. Uh, although, obviously, they're not feeling good about it. But they miss simple putts. John Rahm, uh, what about this putt? Did you see it? I did, mate. Three-inch putt. And he's left it short and wide. <laughs> it does make you feel better. Uh, it reminded me of uh, my son Tom's favourite movie, Happy Gilmore. Uh, we just have to tap it in, <laughs> tap it in, Tim. But uh, yeah, sure. Um, number one player in the world can miss a three-inch putt. It does make you feel better. Yeah, Happy Gilmore's pretty popular around this house as well. Now, finally, uh, as we get a little nostalgic on uh, uh, late in the week, what about? Um or oh, in the middle of the week, really. What about uh, umpires in cricket? Well, mate, so. It just got me thinking of some of the umpires around the around the world that we, we sort of played with, particularly here in um, in Australia. We'd go to Queensland. Queensland had an umpire called Peter Porky Parker, and whenever the ball hit you on the pads up in Queensland as a New South Welshman, Peter Porky Parker would give you out, <laughs> unashamedly. Um, and we sort of started to say to our New South Wales umpires, we get treated pretty badly up in Queensland. Can we have some support? Now, none of them um, actually agreed to this. There was a, a New South Wales umpire called Ian Merlin Jackson. Uh, we call him the magician. And um, he used to uh, umpire all uh, games in at the SCG. Um, I remember bowling to Jamie Siddons at one stage, and I hit Siddons on the pads, and I thought it was absolutely plum. I appealed. Uh, Ian Jackson, our umpire, said not out. Phil Emery went up to him afterwards and said, Jacko, what was that missing? That was knocking out middle stump. He said, Phil, I thought it was going our leg side, but don't worry, we're going all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like my under 13. So coach. pretty much we shut up. We shut up and we end up winning the game. So uh, I'll leave it to your imagination whose side he was on. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our wonderful sponsors. Our wonderful sponsor, you know, Brian Beer, the beer that loves you back, Timmy. Oh, absolutely. And our brilliant producer, Dan McHugh. We are back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.